Welcome back to another episode of Blockcast. I'm your host today, Ryan, your substitute financial coconut. Reggie isn't here today because he's on holiday after a very long work week after the budget 2023 in Singapore. Uh, hey guys, uh, I am Mark and I am the founder and CEO of Blockhead. Uh, Timothy Mazier, um, a managing editor at Blockhead. All right, great. So today, once again, we have three interesting stories for you. So let's start with the first story which is asset tokenization. Um, Tim, would you take over this one? Sure, yeah. So I thought the first topic that we can talk about, uh, because I came across an, an article on Blockworks, mm-hmm. another digital asset-focused uh, publication, saying that asset tokenization is the theme of the year. Uh, I mean, this is something that we've been talking about quite a bit lately. Um, but uh, I guess after last year was a crypto winter, and then the year before was DeFi summer. Uh, now, now we have, uh, you know, uh, a narrative for 2023, and that's asset tokenization. You know, we, we've been covering uh, a lot of reports and, and we also have done our own blockhead surveys of uh, asset managers and fund managers, and they have been talking about tokenization. Uh, is this the latest buzzword or, or you know, how they're going to package digital asset uh, space, you know, in, in a more palatable way for investors? Uh, Mark, what do you think? Well, I mean, look, like, okay, tokenization uh, isn't exactly new, but we are seeing what we're really seeing right now is interest from more aggressive moves from traditional finance in this space. Okay. Um, And I guess we can start with a few examples, right? So I I think that a a really prominent one here, right, was, you know, just in February, um, Blockheads, S&P 500 ETF, you know, was... BlackRock, not Blockhead. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I say it a bit too much. Like, I mean, like, you know, I mean, I guess maybe that's, that's something that, you know, we can plan for way down the future, right? We have a Blockhead ETF, right? But anyway, uh, so we have BlackRock's like uh, iShares, you know, uh, S&P 500 ETF, right? Um, it was essentially turned into a token on the Ethereum, uh, Ethereum network, right? So this can now be traded on Uniswap, which is a decentralized exchange. Uh, in fact, the top decentralized exchange. Okay, um, so how how it really works here is that a DeFi platform, right, back finance is essentially responsible for tokenizing shares of the ETF, which is legally classified as a certificate, right? So so for every token created, uh, you know, a share of the uh, of the ETF is then purchased and deposited into a reg- into a regulated custodian. So bottom line here in summary, it, it's pretty safe. La. It's pretty safe to kind of like uh, uh, buy these tokens, in my opinion. La. Yeah. Okay. So that's just BlackRock, right? There's a, a bunch of other asset managers that are you know, aping into the space. I think uh, Blockhead has covered a recent launch uh, of a tokenized on Polygon uh, by Hamilton, ha- Hamilton Lane, you know, uh, you know, a large US asset uh, investment management firm. What else? Goldman Sachs, they, they uh, this year, their uh, tokenization platform GSDAP went live. Uh, it was used in Hong Kong's recent green bond offering. And then, you know, we other stories like HSBC, famously crypto-averse bank, but has been hiring for its digital assets team, yeah. including for a head of tokenization. Yeah, I, I think that the Hong Kong green bonds one in particular is interesting because you know it is the first tokenized green bond issued by a government globally. Okay, so 
maybe at this point, you know, like like uh, uh, some of the viewers here might be wondering, like, you know, like what, what on earth is like, you know, like tokenization of assets, right? I think that a very, very simple way to kind of un understand this is that, you know, um, you can fractionalize ownership of like, you know, a certain like asset, which is essentially like illiquid, right? And, and this can range from everything from expensive watches all the way down to kind of like bonds uh, in this sense, right? And, and what it essentially does is that it opens up investment to a broader base, right? Uh, that, 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 that's really like, I would say like one of the main takeaways. I mean, like, you know, if, you, if there's a lot actually like um, that, that, that you can really read up on this, in this, uh, on this particular space. But, you know, I think that um, that's one of the core takeaways here. So essentially when you look at kind of like the tokenization of green bonds, so all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it enables like participation, you know, from, from both institutional and private investors, you know, in green projects, right? And then the, 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 the decentralized nature of like blockchain tech, right? So then it, it essentially, that essentially removes the need for a third-party intermediary, right? To validate and approve transactions. Mm -hmm. So ultimately it makes transactions faster. You know, like you, you, you have real-time automated settlements and you know, a lot less friction in terms of like trading and, and investing in these, uh, in these assets. That's it in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So that, that, that's what it is. La. Basically, you know, you convert physical or traditional assets into digital tokens that, that can be traded on blockchain network. But but I, I guess it's also tokenized funds, right? Like they, they, they promise like lower barriers of entry or like access to private markets. That's another big thing, right? Um, I think adX, which is a Singapore-based uh, private uh, investments platform. Oh yeah, they recently listed a blockchain-based version of like the Asia Genesis Macro Fund. S same thing, you know. They say like it, it lowers the barrier to entry. You know, the the the, the ticket size is much smaller. It's more liquid. So yeah, lowering the subscription size and then you have like, you know, monthly redemption options, no lock-in periods, blah, blah, blah. So with all that, right, like, I don't, uh, do, do you see yourself investing in tokenized funds as opposed to like the traditional route? No. I guess it depends on the underlying assets. Uh, but I don't know, I don't know, how, how does Ryan feel about this? Is this like completely kind of like, you know, like, like Greek to you at this point or like, uh, or what, what do you think? I think from, from the perspective of like the, uh, the TFC audience. <laughs> Well, I am not exactly very experienced in this field either, you know. I, I have some cryptocurrency lying around and stuff like that. And I do agree that uh, crypto and, you know, tokens like this do make it, do make the barrier a lot lower for people to just join in and buy their tokens or buy whatever cryptocurrencies compared to as buying share stocks or actually investing on platforms where you actually can't just, you know, sign up for a Binance account and just start buying, right? You got to mm -hmm. go through a, a set procedure of like meeting a broker and other kind of things. Yep. So, yep. so buying tokens like this, it makes it way easier, but then also it's, I would say, very unpredictable, mm. right? Following the crypto winter that we had recent, uh, the past year, I bought Bitcoin when it was at, uh, I forgot how much, like 30,000 and it just dropped the, the following year. So it's kind of hard to tell with tokenization and stuff like that. Maybe it's more steady in the sense that it's linked to real life assets and stuff. Yeah, I think that, 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 that that's actually a pretty good point. So, so one, one thing that's to me at least like, you know, even though you see a lot of institutional interest in this space at the moment, right? Um, I think post FTX, in fact, like post whatever happened, like, you know, like in the past like eight or nine months, I mean, like, I, I, I don't think we need to go through a summary of that. Uh, and it's, it's kind of public knowledge by now, right? You know, the, the relevant KYC and like AML, like anti-money anti money laundering laws really need to be, you know, in place uh, and must be followed, right, in this sense. You know, before you really see like broader public adoption of like some of these these new 
new products in the sense. Mm. Right. Uh, and I think that what's really lacking at this moment is that, you know, I like just re regulatory clarity uh, on, on tokens in particular. Right. And I, th I think that like a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how, you know, do we classify these things as securities or not? And uh, I think that once we actually have some clarity on that and some consistency or coherence, then we will see, you know, like more public adoption um, of tokenized assets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that that's that's probably like, you know, like why uh, uh, it, it, it doesn't seem really exciting for like, you know, like the man or woman on the street at the moment. Right. Uh, simply because I, I think it'll be a while before, like, you know, like it, it, it really changes, like, I guess, like, you know, the way we retail crowd, you know, invests in these uh, in, in this area. Yeah. But from an institutional level, it's exciting. Like you, you, you know, they basically allow uh, access to private markets to institutional investors that like um, pre previously weren't, weren't accessible or available. Yeah. And at least for tokenized shares, right? Like, I mean, when when they're being traded on on DeFi platforms like Uniswap, now you get a hedging strategy. You know, if you're a crypto trader, you can also use these things in like uh, as collateral for lending or you know mm. borrowing or, or borrow against you know the tokenized ETF that you hold and then you know whatever use use the funds that you receive to get yield in DeFi. And and of course you can you, you know you you get to skip onboarding and KYC process uh, you know that, that that you normally have to deal with when you you know buy shares on on exchanges. Uh. Mm. But like, like I guess like what what Ryan said you know it allows you to engage with blockchain technology without you know having to deal with the volatility of crypto or like you know investing in crypto. Yeah. I, I mean like uh, overall I think it's uh, it's exciting for me and you know even though it's it's really like in the institutional space mainly at the moment uh, it offers a clear you know like um yeah a really solid use case for blockchain tech. Yeah and and I guess for for the for the crypto industry in general this gives another narrative to push the space forward. Uh, yeah. I mean everyone has a report saying that you know asset tokenization is going to reach like you know, X amount by year 2030 uh, or like, you know. Well, and the, the number that we have here, I think this was reported. Um, where was it reported? Oh yeah, right. BCG and uh, estimated that, you know, asset tokenization will reach $16 trillion uh, US by 2030, right? Or that's essentially 10% of global GDP. Uh, the majority of that coming from private markets. Okay, it seems a bit. <laughs> that's a lot of fucking money. La. Yeah. <laughs> We can only hope. We can only hope. I mean, like, like this space needs a, a, a big story to 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 carry it, you know, right? So I guess, um, yeah, uh, theme of the year, big space to watch. Yep. Okay. I, I guess that that kind of like you know, like we can. I'm not sure what the segue is to the next story, la, But you know, like we got a pretty interesting one coming up next. La. <laughs> Yeah, so for the next story, I actually came across you about scrolling through TikTok one night, right? And I find it really, really funny. So the story is about uh, a Massachusetts man. He got charged uh, after hiding an entire cryptocurrency mining rig under the school's crawl space. Wait, so he, he, he was an employee of, of the school, is it? Yes, it's, yeah. So a 39-year-old man, Nadia Nahas, also known as the Town of Cohasis Assistant Facilities Director, has been accused of stealing nearly 18,000 US dollars in electricity from the school district just for a hidden crypto mine. So the cryptocurrency mining rig was set up in a crawl space in the middle of the school and it was set up roughly around in 2021 or almost 2022. But it started uh, looking really suspicious when the director of facilities in the middle school and high school called the police in around December 2021 after noticing a lot of random electrical wires, computers and temporary ductwork all around the school. Mm. Right, So that's when they kind of raided the place and found an entire crypto mining rig under there. Yeah. So, uh, I, I love this story already. 
It's like it, it's taking us back ten years to like back when the, crypto mining was still a thing. Yeah, right. GPUs were short on stock. Everybody couldn't build their own computers for no reason. I mean, I'm surprised that people are still doing this, you know, at home, essentially. Exactly, exactly. Because now, crypto mining has essentially become industrialized in a sense, right? Mm. Where people who really, really want to mine, they have a little shed or an entire shipping container somewhere in Iceland or something just to keep the temperatures down. And I mean, it that's, costs that's like the, what? That's the, that's the only way it can be economically viable, uh, right? Exactly, exactly. Because like, so it, 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 the, the rewards have been have been going down. Green, Greenland, guys, that, that is going to be a new hub, man. <laughs> <laughs> Mongolia, right? Mongolia, <laughs> Siberia. No, but this guy is in, like, in, in the US, right? Massachusetts. I mean, yeah, I, exactly. I, in, under a school, no less, you know? I guess it is economically viable if you are not paying for the electricity like him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. You save so much. Well, I mean, like, see, the thing about this is that whenever I read stories like this, it's like, you know, it sounds like a lot of freaking work, you know. You, you think about this, right? You, you got to kind of find, like, first of all, you're hiding this. So you got to kind of jack the electricity and you got to find a space for all these servers, right? Like, I mean, like, just, just talking about the freaking setup alone just makes me feel damn tired, uh. Like, if you wanted to kind of, like, you know, do something illegal, right? Like, you know, go sell drugs, uh, that's easier, right, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, let, let, let's just be real here, uh, you know, like, in terms of payoff, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, imagine having to, like, um, sneak all the GPUs into some random hole in the ground. In exactly, the school, exactly. Everything like that, you know? And then, like, at the end result is that you still go, you still end up going to jail, what? Like, you know, I might, I might sell this kind of, like, sell crack or cocaine, right? And then, like, you know, I make more money. Did, did, it, say, did it say, like, if he actually uh, managed to successfully mine, uh, like, tokens or whatever? Like, like, what, like, how much did he make from this? Uh, no, they did not cover this. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the amount of work that has to go through this, exactly, is like uh, what Mark said, right? The payout isn't high. It's only like $18,000 worth of electricity. Whereas, I don't know if you guys seen like Breaking Bad and shit, right? Where Walter White steals a bunch of school equipment and can actually make like yeah. almost of like millions just well, you know this, you know? Yeah, it, it, it is, it's also a caveat here that Walter White is a fictional character, but you know, I take your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, love, yeah. I love Breaking Bad, by the way. It's like one of my all-time favorite uh, uh, shows. Yeah, it's a good show. It's a really yeah, good show. Yeah. Right, but yeah. <laughs> but you know this uh, um, DIY crypto mining, right? It still fascinates me. And like, I think not too long ago, there was a Reddit thread on, on the on the Singapore uh, uh, channel about about this, and quite a few people had responded that you know they 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 still do it for fun at home. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a blockhead story, man. Like you know, like indie indie kind of like uh, Bitcoin miners, you know, like. In the heartlands, yeah, they they they, they still exist. They still exist, and yeah, probably in Yishun. Old Clang Road. Uh. <laughs> hey, anyway, if, if you're one of them, please get in touch with us because we'd love to see. Yeah, we, we would love to kind of like do a story on that. But I mean, yeah, you know, you know, I guess you know, just to to kind of summarize, right? Like it, it it's the story is just really interesting because you know, if you look at the the state of the industry right now, um, it, it is mining is a professional operation right now. You know, so like you don't really come across these indie setups anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's actually quite quaint and nostalgic, you know, it's kind of like harks back to the time where like, you know, this was actually like, you know, wow. And then you had uh, a lot of people trying to kind of you know, get warehouse spaces to kind of like do this. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's pretty much like a professional kind of like, like set up right now. And it's, a, it's an actual kind of industry. So um, yeah. 
yeah, this 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 definitely caught our attention because that I mean, it, really it, random. It, it, it's still at least you know like there are still some rebels in the space, you know, <laughs> keeping its uh, true and pure nature alive. I mean, it's certainly refreshing, you know. Um, Especially when now, you know, crypto or digital assets is just another part of the financial industry. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you know, you know what else is refreshing? That someone's really finally giving OpenSea a run for its money, right? Uh, and, th- and that's a segue to our third story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, take it away. Ha, seamless. What a seamless transition, <laughs> of it. Right? Because like, you know, like if you... I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys are familiar with OpenSea, right? And then, like, uh, uh, there have been numerous kind of, like, you know, uh, uh, challenges to the throne, right? The NFT marketplace, right? You got the likes of Magic Eden, etc., right? Uh, and we have a new entrant uh, that was launched in October 2022 called Blur. And, you know, as of this week, I would say that their neck on neck or even, like, eclipsing, like, OpenSea in terms of trading volume, if I'm not wrong, um, if, if my, my notes kind of, like, are correct. Yeah. And that's, and that's really something. So, so... I, I think that like um, the big story here, right, is like, you know, like how Blur uh, is, is currently, you know, like um, uh, giving OpenSea a run for its money and whether that's sustainable. I mean, they, they made such a big splash, right, because of their token airdrops to users, right? Yep. And, and I mean, like, it's also, you know, I would say uh, an important piece of information here, right, that like, I, I don't think OpenSea hasn't gotten kind of approval to kind of launch a token yet. Yeah, if I'm not wrong. everyone's been waiting for that. Everyone's been freaking waiting for mm-hmm. that. So like, you know, like Blur is kind of like, you know, like, like hit that first. Um, but also I think that like, you know, it is one, I would say a core pillar of their strategy, right? It's the way that they've essentially priced or rather their pricing scheme uh, in particular, right? Their price strategy with regard to like uh, NFT creator royalties. Right, so like on if you trade or if you if you if you transact on Blur, right? At least at this point in time, right? Uh, there are, there are several options, and one of them is that like you know like you 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 can choose not to kind of pay um, royalties, right, to the NFT creator, right? And so so that that actually has like cornered a very price sensitive section of the market. Okay, uh, I I don't know I don't know I think that there is quite an ethical debate here in the sense that you know should NFT creators be entitled to a royalty of every single transaction or not? Or is this just essentially kind of like a social agreement between, you know, like um, the creator and whoever is buying it? Yeah. I mean, the this agreement is somewhat enforced by the platforms that they're traded on. Exactly. So, so what OpenSea was giving um, creators 2.5%. Now, because of this uh, competition with, by, by Blur, it's dropped its royalties to zero, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, great for the market, guys. Competition, love it. <laughs> yeah, but obviously uproar on Twitter la, among like uh, uh, artists and 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 creators of NFT collections. I don't know. Like it seems like a lot of the blur um, activity, uh, you know, that that was that was that had been taking place on OpenSea, you know, now moved to Blur. It it, it might be temporary, right? Like because everyone's just doing this, trading like huge volumes, just um, you know. To qualify for larger airdrops, like like we saw. Yeah, this, this is just this is just right. Like taking a page out of like the whole DeFi playbook, lah. You know, liquidity mining essentially, lah. Like for free money. <laughs> so there's this like I, like I, like I forget I forget his name now. We we covered it last Friday. This Taiwanese singer who's also like a like a like a huge NFT whale. Uh, uh, he I think he sold like a large collection uh, worth like you know close to twenty million US dollars, comprising like uh, blue chip mm-hmm. NFT collections uh, like BAYC, mm-hmm. MAYC, other deeds, whatever. Sold them all, bought back obviously after after he triggered like a market dip, uh, and you know got like 
hundreds of thousands of dollars in blur tokens as a result. Well, I mean, look, I think the question here also is like, you know, is this current strategy actually like, you know, like really sustainable because they're essentially giving out like, you know, like for the benefit of the audience, right? Like just just a quick primer on how the uh, like Blur's loyalty system actually works, right? Um, it, it is essentially, you know, it's built around a loyalty point system where like the, the, the larger the bids you actually place on like the NFTs, right? The, the more kind of like loyalty points you accrue and then therefore the larger your eventual airdrop. I mean, clearly this is a huge incentive. So like, you know, like you just encourage people to go on like a bidding wall right and therefore you know that that eventually leads to i would say like higher transactions on the site and then therefore like you know like you have this kind of like competition right now you know so question here is that like you know like if nft prices obviously continue to kind of like remain stable or they continue to go up um you know this is fine right but you know if it tanks and it has done on you know like quite a few occasions right then you're going to see a situation where all the bids are just going to cascade downwards and you know like uh it will implode yeah so, so, so that's that's kind of like the situation right now, and like you know, it's a, a bit similar like to like your your your. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what else is a real a real a recent real world analogy like you know like you have like a new restaurant or like a new hair salon that comes into business, and then they give like you know like kind of like cut rates for the for the next one year, and then kind of drive everyone out of business. Uh, but eventually, it's going to have to kind of return to the mean la, In my opinion, la. Right. Um, mm. At least on the loyalty point system, on the NFT creator royalty aspect, I think that this is interesting to me because, like, you know, it is essentially a race to the bottom, right? It's kind of like, you know, like a very similar analogy here is when you look at your stock exchanges, right, or like brokerage fees. You know, um, that is also to me and essentially a race to the bottom because, like, you know, you, there's no loyalty there, right? You you would just kind of trade uh, if you want to play like you know like the whole brokerage fee game or commission game. You essentially just kind of end up at a platform with like um, the lowest fees. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, what this means is that, you know, like, I think we're going to see a situation where, um, yeah, NFT creator royalties are just going to keep on dropping. Yeah. And, and, and when royalty fees are at zero, there is no incentive for new collections or like just for artists to... To even come up with new collections yeah, and stuff uh, like to that. Yeah, on these platforms. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of more artist-focused platforms available. Uh, you know uh, that you can engage with uh, that focus more on 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 the art aspect of things, or I guess like one one of one pieces and th- things like that. Mm. I mean, I personally, I'm not I'm not uh, too savvy with uh, with the NFT space, so maybe uh, R- Ryan, you can give your input. Like, I I think you you had been an NFT collector previously, right? Yeah. Um. So what I feel like is yes, there are other websites or other other platforms that allow more artsy or like one-of-one pieces the kind of platform but then at the same time traffic is mostly going towards OpenSea and Blur Hmm. so yes you can list them on the other platform but then you can't really guarantee you would get uh, traction and traffic coming to your particular collection on that particular website right because all the hype is around those two right now oh yeah for sure yeah yeah and, and then, I mean, like, um, you know, so when when Blur announced it's like a zero royalty program, right? OpenSea essentially kind of like fought back and then they, they essentially forced creators into like, you know, uh, uh, to make a decision, right? If they were trading on platforms, um, zero royalty platforms, then they could not list on OpenSea, right? Uh, but then Blur kind of essentially fought back and then they, 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 they managed to kind of get around this by kind of building a marketplace on OpenSea's like protocol. <laughs> Right. So, so, so then that kind of like threw the ball back in OpenSea's court by saying like, you know, like mm-hmm. if, if you want to do that, you're essentially, you're, you're going to block your own protocol. Yeah. Blur is doing a, a pretty good job at trying to kill OpenSea, right? In a sense. Yeah. But, Correct. but 
OpenSea really right now has not come up with a game plan to like step up their game or anything or to gain somewhat of a competitive advantage against Blur. It feels like they're, they're just reacting, you know, like when you see something mm, like, exactly. you know, like, uh, okay, well, we have this competitive platform that has announced like, you know, like zero creator royalties. Okay, we're going to just force our our NFT creators to make a decision. You either trade, if you, if you want to trade with us, you can't trade with like zero royalty platforms. I mean, mm. it doesn't sound like, you know, like a very sound or very like, you know, I would say, uh, to me, like, it sounds like a very short term kind of like reactive strategy, uh, you know? No, but, but, but maybe, I, I don't know, like, 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 okay, so Crypto Slam came out with a report as well, right? Saying that since the Valentine's Day airdrops started you know, on Blur, there has been about half a billion dollars in NFT wash trading. So everyone is essentially mm-hmm. farming token rewards. Uh, and this accounts for 80% of the trades on Blur, according to Crypto Slam, which also means that uh, OpenSea is still, uh, I mean, what, what they are doing, or I mean, the, the trades on NF, uh, or NFT trades on OpenSea, it's still more organic and like they are real, uh, essentially. Um, so, so it could be a short-lived thing for Blur. Yeah, I mean, if it means anything, I really, I really dislike the name, lah. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why it's called Blur. <laughs> I, I, no, no, no idea either. But you know, I mean, um, yeah. it, it's its creator is like a twenty-four-year-old high school that, dropout, that, that, that says as much, lah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he 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 recently uh, docks himself. Uh, turn, turns out, uh, that, yeah, he he's a young guy high school dropout whatever then I think he also no, you know, I, I just really don't understand why that's, that's still such a big deal about someone doxing themselves man you know it's just I mean it's one of the, it's one of the things about this industry that I mean I, I just you know I mean dude you're, you're the founder of like you know like you know like a pretty big business right and then you know it's a big deal that you've revealed who you are wow dude you need a medal for that man <laughs> <laughs> but but that's kind of the thing in the whole web three space, right? Where doxing is such an important factor for for people to want to follow your project, your your, no, your yeah. this, your that. Though. Yeah, no, exactly. And and like so, like I'm I'm still you know like it's to me it's interesting why that is still a big deal. I mean, like you know, like it is. Uh, it's been a core part of web three culture for mm. you know as long as I can remember. Right. But then there are other parts of this space, like, for example, the digital asset space, right, we, where we have institutional players. The question around kind of like regula- regulatory clarity, for example, all of these things, right, they, they run, they are essentially ideologically opposed to the idea that you can remain pseudonymous for certain things, in my opinion. And I think that this is one of like, you know, like a, I guess one, one of the interesting narratives uh, that we're going to see play out, right? How do you, you know, how are you going to kind of enforce KYL and AML kind of like policies, right, when people can remain anonymous? Mm. Yeah, I mean, okay, like, that, that, that's a stretch. Like, you can, like, I mean, these are just social media identities. Like, fine, like, okay, so, so that's, that's a stretch. But I'm talking about, I guess, the intent and the, and the ideology behind that. You know, it's, it, it feels like it's very inconsistent on that front, you know? Yeah, how, 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 how do faceless uh, avatars raise funding for their projects? I still don't exactly. get it. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. Yeah, but then again, you know, like okay, like I'm, I'm just cynical about things sometimes. So, like you know, like like don't mind me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but um, yeah. I mean, how how do you guys feel about actually? Like, I think that the other part, the other part of this conversation here is where you know, like the creator royalties, right? Do it, like, do you think it really disincentivizes creators? It goes I mean, zero. It disincentivizes free mints. Uh. Like, there's oh, yeah. been a lot of very successful yeah, free yeah. mint projects yeah. that. Essentially, founders have uh, grown rich basically on uh, mm. secondary trades. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So like 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 what was a Goblin Town, right? Yeah. Uh, what like one of the largest uh, Freemans last year. Well, I mean, its creators earned so much just because of a se- of secondary trading on on platforms like OpenSea, which give them a cut of uh, of royalties when they're sold in the market. Whether it will, th- this incentivize more art or creation, I don't know, man. Like personally, I still. I, I, I'm one of the cynics uh, that 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 I don't really buy into the, the whole PFP uh, game. It's not really art. I mean, they they they're created very quickly and cheaply anyway. So, like, it seems like a lot of these projects they they they're essentially just like really low budget projects anyway to begin with. You know, it's not like we're, we're not talking about like like struggling artists or whatever. You know, they 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 they're just a bunch of people that come together. Launch a project and 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 hopefully it gains traction and and you know most of them fail anyway. So I don't think it'll kill like the I don't think it'll kill artists lah. It'll kill like all this rubbish that you see. So around. I guess maybe one perspective here is that this could essentially result in higher quality art being produced on chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe right. And then like you know like because the intent here is is to not you know pin all your hopes on making money off secondary sales, right? Like you know like and then you you have like higher value. Yeah, from the primary transaction. Yeah, I feel like it mainly would kill like like what uh, uh Tim mentioned right like artists who are out there putting out collections purely for the sake of making money. Mm. Yeah, right. Whereas you can now expect to see more of genuinely passionate artists trying to get their work out and stuff like that instead. Mm. Yeah, because you do. I mean, as a creator, you 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 make money from the sale anyway mm. at the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's if it's priced appropriately. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. I mean, like, I, 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 I'm in complete agreement, actually. I mean, like, like, like the art industry, right? Like, like artists don't earn anything from secondary yeah, no, exactly. market sales. Yeah, that, right? that was going to be my next point. Like, you know, like, do they actually earn from from the from secondary sales? They don't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah, I think that 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 sounds like. Uh, look, looking forward to see how this plays out. Um, when you know whether like you know like blur is here to stay or you know is this just gonna be like a you know um and, and whether their, their current pricing strategy is sustainable i mean it's good yeah. to see uh, it's good to see competition among marketplaces uh, like OpenSea mm. has has been the dominant player for 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 very long without like an actual viable uh, alternative i guess magic eden is, is the only is the closest competitor but you know there's only two uh, mm. that people engage with frequently. I guess, you know, maybe then, you know, the, the other question here also is that if the marketplace really can't have, I mean, if, if the, I mean, does the NFT market, it feels like the way that this is going or like the strategy that Blur is taking where it's like a winner takes all approach almost, right? So like question I have here is that is the market big enough actually to support like multiple exchanges in this front? Mm. Maybe they can only, there's only room for one and then therefore like, you know, like that kind of, um, then in, in from that perspective, you, you can understand like the aggressive strategy here. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't have the answers, uh, you know, like, I guess I'm just putting it out to like the audience and, mm-hmm. you know, if you guys have, uh, any thoughts on this, you know, uh, whether, you know, you, you see blur as a, as sustainable, whether like, you know, that, that is a, that there, there are going to be a real challenger to the throne, you know, um, that open has kind of had for the past. Yeah. I think few years. Uh, yeah, let, let us know. Uh, before we have a Reddit going right now, right? I think, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, so yeah. You guys can find us on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, in general, like, like NFT talk and activity is is down a lot, you know, compared to to to, to just a year ago. No, I mean, like, I, I think it, the industry was actually reinvent itself, like, you know? So this could mm-hmm. be one of the pushes that, that uh, one, one of the catalysts, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I guess we'll just close on this story real quick. Like what uh, Mark mentioned is 
is the crypto space really big enough for two marketplaces? I feel like as of right now, no. And it all depends on uh, whether OpenSea can come up with something to compete against Blur, right? So if OpenSea will co continues to maintain at least like, oh, okay, I'll see what cards you deal me and then I'll counter with some bare minimum effort or something, then it's kind of safe to say Blur might come up on top, but then maybe after Blur's entire airdrop phase and that rewarding system goes down, then eventually Blur dies off and OpenSea just stays and be, you know becomes number one again. Yeah, oh, oh, I mean, oh, it's forcing OpenSea's hand. Lah. Now, now they have to launch their own token airdrop. Mm, exactly. I mean, like, like yeah. at least for Blur, you know, you can't dish out free money forever. Lah. Yep. Exactly, exactly. Some people even report like getting what $1.8 million worth of just airdrop. So, I mean, monopoly money. <laughs> mm, exactly. So, you, you can't do this forever. <laughs> yeah. So, once the airdrop stops, maybe, you I mean, know, even, even, even if you get that $1.8 million, you know, like, can you actually kind of cash it out or not? I mean, I don't even think there's a kind yeah, of liquidity exactly. for that, man. Uh, yeah, it's I don't think anyone is holding on to tokens. Who's going to pay that <laughs> shit, man? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Okay, guys, I think that with that, you know, like that, that kind of wraps up like today's episode. Uh, if you have any feedback on comments, you can find us on Reddit and uh, looking forward to see you all yeah, next uh, week. I mean, everything we've talked about, find the stories on blockhead.co. Hey, Coconuts. So, yes, uh, I hope you enjoy this new show that we're building together with the team at Blockhead. And uh, the goal is very clear, right? We're not here to shield any token or be a cheerleader for any project. But we feel that there's a lot of development that's going on in this space that we could cover and continue to be a little bit smarter um, as investors. I mean, eventually, you tune in every week to a financial podcast network so that you can be smarter with your investments. And if it so happened, this is something that you're looking at, the crypto space, Web3, Metaverse, all these kind of stuff then that is where we're trying to cover but not from the angle of like this is good that is bad but really trying to see it from like what is happening how is it developing and I hope you find this useful and interesting right? so if you want to continue to get more coverage around the crypto space check out blockhead.co and then we will see you next week <laughs>